Bible Talks from Mumbles Christadelphians, the Jews, God's Witnesses. So in this talk, we're going to look at the idea that God has, has left himself a witness to demonstrate that he exists. So if you wanted to look for evidence that God exists, then just look at the fate of the Jewish people down through several millennia. So let's look at just a quote from Mark Twain in Harper's Magazine in July 1899. This is an article that Mark Twain wrote called The Immortal Jew. So I'll just read this to you, but just think about the words that it's saying and just the implications of it. It says, if statistics are right, the Jews constitute but 1% of the human race. It suggests a nebulous dim puff of stardust lost in the blaze of the Milky Way. Properly, the Jew ought hardly to be heard of, but he is heard of, has always been heard of. He is as prominent on the planet as any other people and his commercial importance is extravagantly out of proportion to the smallness of his bulk. His contributions to the world's list of great names in literature, science, art, music, finance, medicine and abstruse learning are also way out of proportion for the weakness of his numbers. He has always made a marvellous fight in this world, in all the ages, and he has done it with his hands tied behind him. He could be vain of himself and be excused for it, the Egyptian, the Babylonian and the Persian rose, filled the planet with sound and splendour and then faded to dream stuff and passed away. The Greek and the Roman followed and made a vast noise and they are gone. Other peoples have sprung up and held their torch high for a time, but it burned out and they sit in twilight now or have vanished. The Jew saw them all, beat them all and is now what he always was, exhibiting no decadence, no infirmities of age, no weakening of his parts, no slowing of his energies, no dulling of his alert and aggressive mind. All things are mortal but the Jew. All forces pass, but he remains. What is the secret of his immortality? So that's by Mark Twain. And just think about the words that Mark Twain writes there. So what does he mean by the immortal Jew? How can Jews be immortal? Well, if you look at their history, it really does seem as though Jews have always existed have never died as a people, never become extinct, and it's almost as if they can't die, no matter what happens to them, no matter what their fate is, they don't seem to be able to die as a people, even though many have tried to do that. So they've been around since Moses in 1450 BC, which is more than three and a half thousand years old, and yet they're still a distinct, recognisable people, going back to Moses as their founder, Hebrew is still the national language of the state of Israel, and even now the Jews are still living in the land of Israel, in the state of Israel. So in terms of world empires, Jews have outlasted the ancient Egyptians with their pyramids, the Assyrians, the Babylonian Empire, other empires such as the Celts, Incas, Aztecs, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites, other nations that were in the land of Canaan, for example. So how can this be? How can Jews have survived millennia, thousands of years, and yet still be a distinct, recognisable people? And the answer is because they're God's witnesses. God has given us evidence that he exists, and that's through the, the Jewish people and the state of Israel and all the events surrounding that. So if you wanted to demonstrate to yourself or give evidence that God exists, it's in the state of the Jewish people down through the millennia. The pages of the scripture are full of references to the Jewish people and how they would be preserved down through time. So let's just think what of some examples to demonstrate that. 
If you look at Drew's bizarre and miraculous history, reading, for example, from Jeremiah chapter 31 and verses 35 to 37. Let me just read that for you. So Jeremiah chapter 31 and verses 35 to 37, where it says, Thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day, and the ordinances of the moon and of the stars for a light by night, which divideth the sea with the waves thereof roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from before me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus saith the Lord, if heaven above can be measured, and the foundations of the earth searched out beneath, I also will cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done, saith the Lord. So God's word then declares that the Jews will never perish from him from being a people any more than the sun would not give its light or the stars won't give their light or the sea and the waves will stop. That means the Jews have survived the plagues of Egypt. They've survived attacks by mightier nations than themselves, such as the Philistines. They've survived onslaughts of entire world empires, such as the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans. They were carried into exile by Babylonians in AD 587, into captivity by the Romans in AD 70. They were expelled from Jerusalem, their, their own holy city, by the Emperor Hadrian, and he rebuilt Jerusalem with a different name, Elia Capitolina, the new capital of the Roman Empire. They were scattered across the whole Roman Empire and sold as slaves in Alexandria, Egypt. The Crusades then started off by wholesale killing Jews throughout Europe. And then Europe had a persecution of Jews lasting hundreds of years. From around 1000 to 1500 AD, Jews were expelled across the whole of Europe, England, Wales and so on. The Jews were persecuted heavily under the Nazis in AD 37 to AD 44. And they've had systematic persecutions since that time. So let's just think a little bit more about that. The Jews were expelled from Jerusalem, their holy city, in AD 70. This is the Arch of Triumph in Rome, showing all those things in AD 70 in the temple being carried off by the Romans. They're also heavily persecuted during the Crusades. So on their way to Jerusalem to rid the holy lands of the Muslim infidel, as the Crusaders saw it, they left a path of destruction and death behind them in Jewish communities along the Rhine and the Danube because, you know, as their writings and histories of the Crusades explains, why should we attack the unbelievers in the Holy Land and leave the infidels in our own mist and undisturbed? So Jews were persecuted during the time of the Crusades. They were blamed for the Black Death in the Middle Ages and heavily persecuted. As we've said, all throughout Europe, Jews were systematically persecuted and driven out of country after country. You can see in England and Wales in 1290, Jews were formally expelled from England and Wales. Portugal, 1497. 1492 in Spain, in the year that Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue. And many other, many other countries in Europe expelled Jews, systematically expelled all Jews on one day from their land, and Jews had to find a home wherever they could. So despite being persecuted from nation after nation and hounded as they go, Jews survived and all those nations have had their own existential problems. Under the, the Nazis, for example, Jews were horribly persecuted. Millions and millions of Jews were gassed and shot and killed and starved in order to fulfill the Nazis' 
desire of exterminating and genocide to this entire people. And yet the Nazis were destroyed and the Jews themselves lived on. So if you think about God providing a witness to himself, this idea of the immortal Jew, just consider those amazing facts. Jews have retained a distinct national and religious identity all down through the centuries. They've become a byword, a proverb. You know, people still today talk about the Jewish people and the Jewish problem. Jews have been systematically persecuted all down through the centuries. And despite those serious and systematic persecutions, they've never been wiped out as a people or nation. Jews have stood and watched their enemies go down to the grave, such as Haman in the Persian Empire and Hitler and so on. They've been scattered to all corners of the planet and yet they've been gathered back again. They've formed their own nation again and their own land, the land of Israel, speaking their own language, Hebrew, and reading God's word as if nothing had happened down through the centuries. And this is all because God has prophesied beforehand that this would indeed be the case. And so if you just turn to Isaiah chapter 43 and just look at one verse, verse 9. Let all the nations be gathered together and let the people be assembled. Who among them can declare this and show us former things? Let them bring forth their witnesses that they may be justified or let them hear and say it is truth. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. So God has left the Jewish people and all these events that have taken over them down through millennia. They've survived, they've become an immortal people, as Mark Twain pointed out. And it's because God is ruling in the kingdom of men and he's provided the Jewish people. He's guided and shaped them and molded them into a people in order to show that he exists. And all these things are prophesied in detail in scripture. It's a miracle that these things have happened at all. By all rights, all logic, the Jewish people shouldn't exist with all those persecutions that we've seen. So how can that happen? Is it reasonable to think that all this is just a coincidence? And it's not. Even more remarkable that this happened at all is that it's all been prophesied beforehand in detail in God's word in the Holy Scriptures. This verse that we've seen in Isaiah said that no one could declare things before they happen. And yet before these things happen to the Jewish people, God prophesied in the pages of scripture that these things would happen in order to demonstrate that down through thousands of years, God is ruling in the kingdom of men. So let's just look at a few verses, for example, from Deuteronomy and chapter 28, which just demonstrate some of the detail here. If you look at verses 15 to 68, this is a remarkable chapter, but that section, you won't read it all today because it's a long section. But it's important to look at some of the details that have been spoken around. So, for example, if you look at verse 36, it says, The Lord shall bring thee, and thy king which thou shalt set over thee, unto a nation which neither thou nor thy fathers have known, and there shalt thou serve other gods, wood and stone. And that happened in the Babylonian Empire when the Jews started to become, be put into exile and start to become, worship other gods and learn a different language that they hadn't formerly learned. Or in verse 37, And thou shalt become an astonishment, a proverb, and a byword among all nations, whether the Lord shall, shall lead thee. So all nations know about the Jewish people. Many nations have expelled them from their countries, as they've seen. 
if you look at some of the, the, the details, some of the details in this chapter are very, very specific. So, for example, we can drop down to verse 53, and it says, And thou shalt eat the fruit of thine own body, the flesh of thy sons and of thy daughters, which the Lord thy God hath given thee in the siege, and in the straightness wherewith thine enemies shall distress thee. So it resorts, it said there that the Jews would resort to cannibalism in some of the sieges. And that's exactly what happened in the siege, for example, by the Romans against Jerusalem. If you read Josephus, you can see that these exact details are recorded by Josephus. Even before they happened, God knew these things ultimately were going to happen. Or if you drop down to verse 62, it says in that verse that, it says in that verse, and you shall be left few in number, whereas you were as the stars of heaven for multitude, because thou wouldest not obey the voice of the Lord thy God. So six million Jews were killed systematically by the Nazis in the Holocaust, and they were left few in number. In verse 64, it says that, um, and the Lord shall scatter thee among all people from one end of the earth, even unto the other, and there thou shalt serve other gods, which neither thou nor thy fathers have known, even wooden stone. So they were scattered among all different people and assimilated to a large extent in the nations around them. And verse 65, it says, And among these nations thou shalt find no ease, neither shall the sole of thy foot have rest, but the Lord shall give thee there a trembling heart and failing of eyes and sorrow of mind. And thy life shall hang in doubt before thee, and thou shalt fear day and night, and shall have none assurance of thy life. And that's exactly what's happened down to the Jewish people. They've been hounded, persecuted down through the centuries. If you look at verse 6 to 8, And the Lord shall bring thee into Egypt again with ships, by the way whereof I spake unto thee, that thou shalt see it no more. And there you shall be sold unto your enemies for bondmen and bondwomen, and no man shall buy you. This happened in the Alexandrian slave markets. The Romans tried to sell Jews, but the markets collapsed. So we could spend time and go through verse by verse this large section of what would happen to the Jewish people in verses 15 to 68 of Deuteronomy 28. But it just demonstrates the detail that God, God's word has given in order to show that the Jewish people have been preserved by him down through the centuries. If we go further into more recent events, the, the Rothschilds dynasty, with unique financial backing, Israel was regathered back to their land. Again, there's detailed prophecy in scripture to explain that the Jews would be gathered back to their land. So the Rothschilds were a Jewish family in, born in the ghetto in Frankfurt in 1744. Mayor Amschel Rothschild's five sons developed the banking houses in five European cities in Frankfurt, London, Naples, Paris and Vienna. One of them in particular, Edmund the Rothschild, became fabulously rich. In today's, today's terms, he'd be a multi-trillionaire, not, not billionaire or millionaire, actually trillionaire. And he helped the early Zionists and the land of Israel in numerous ways, such as setting up settlements, draining malarial swamps, setting up businesses such as the Rothschild's vineyards and Israel's wine industry, glass and bottle making factories and so on. His son actually established the Knesset. So he's estimated to have spent about $50 million in his own personal wealth into the land of Israel. So the, the extent of the wealth of the Rothschilds has never actually been duplicated in history by one family. Then modern Hebrew, Eliezer ben Yehuda, 
had a unique circumstance of forming a language in these latter days. He had a huge knowledge of Hebrew down through the centuries, and he had an ambition for Hebrew to become a living language once again. So this has never happened in history before. You know, the Welsh or the Scots or the Cornish people would love their language once again to be the mainstream language spoken by those particular cultures. Never happened before in history, and yet the Rothschild dynasty and also Eliezer ben Yehuda at the same time speaking Hebrew so that the land of Israel would once again be have Hebrew as a spoken language. And then in 1948, the state of Israel was formed. So never before in history has a people been scattered for 2,000 years, dispersed throughout the whole globe, and then regathered back to their original land to speak their original language from 2,000 years prior to that. The 1970, 1917 mandate was for both Israel and Jordan together. And if the Jews had returned at that point, they would have had far more land than the state of Israel has now. But the Holocaust then happened and forced Jews back to the land of Israel. And if you look at the events after the state of Israel, Israel was attacked by seven nations, hugely outnumbered, and they won. That was followed in 1967 by the Six-Day War and 1973 by the Yom Kippur War. So Israel fought their way back to that state and they established it despite all the attacks from the nations round about them. And soon God will shortly gather all nations against Israel to battle. If you just follow through those Bible prophecies, we have Joel where it says, I will gather all nations and bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. Or in Zephaniah, it says, Therefore wait ye upon me, saith the Lord, until the day that I rise up to the prey. For my determination is to gather the nations, that I may assemble the kingdoms, to pour upon them mine indignation, even all my fierce anger, for all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. And in Zechariah 14, For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. So prophecies about Israel being established back in their land again, and all nations coming against Israel to battle, which is shortly to happen. And Israel at that point will recognise their Messiah. We're told in Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 7, The Lord also, also shall save the tents of Judah first, that the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem do not magnify themselves against Judah. Verse 8, In that day shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and he that is feeble among them at that day shall be as David. And the house of David shall be as God, as the angel of the Lord before them. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son. So those verses show that Israel will recognise their Messiah despite crucifying the Lord Jesus 2,000 years ago. And the important point here is that these amazing events not just demonstrate that God has left himself a witness to show to the people of this world that he is in charge 
and that he is ruling from the kingdom of men. These things are prophecies of what will shortly come to pass. These show that God is in control of this world and all the affairs and events that happen are in fulfillment of the Bible prophecy. So in Daniel chapter 4 and verse 17 it says, This matter is by the decree of the watchers and a demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will and setteth up over it the basest of men. So just ponder these things. God has left himself a witness that demonstrates that he exists. We have the pages of the Bible that prophesy things before they even come to pass, not just for a decade before it happens or 20 years before it happened, but literally events that happened hundreds of years before they took place. Events that thousands of years, three, four thousand years before events took place. God has left himself a witness in the pages of scripture that these things would happen. So the people of Israel, the Jews, God's people, demonstrate that God exists and that his word can be trusted. God is ruling in the kingdom of men and all these things that are prophesied will shortly come to pass. So I would urge you just to take the pages of scripture seriously. Start to read the scripture, start to absorb them, start to find out about them. And just understand that the pages of scripture are not an ordinary book. They are God's witness. They are given to us to help us to understand that God is and that he is a rewarder of those who come to him, those who want to understand him. We can trust the scriptures, we can read the scriptures, and we can know that the scriptures give us a picture of what God wants from us. A wonderful kingdom which he'll shortly set up, which we can all be part of. And all the nations will be gathered together to fight against Israel. And as the outcome of that, God will establish his wonderful kingdom upon this earth. So I would urge you just to read the script pages of scripture carefully. Understand these things and spend time with the Bible and spend time trying to understand it. Thank you for listening.